Good morning, fellow explorers. Welcome to our Sunday morning show, which we refer to as our positivity pop-up. And each week we want to give you a few stories that we found that were happy and positive and just a way to help you keep some of the good stuff in, keep more of the good stuff in because what you focus on in your life is what grows. So hopefully providing you with some positive content helps you grow the positives in your own life. So welcome, Sunday morning, May 28th, 2023. It is National Hamburger Day, which is just in time for Memorial Day. I actually wonder, um, no, it's every May 28th. I was sometimes these, uh, Today's National Blah 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 Days happen like every Sunday before a particular holiday, but not this one, May 28th. So happy National Hamburger Day if you're celebrating. It is also World Hunger Day. Um, World Hunger Day is observed every May 28th to raise awareness about um, the more than 820 million people who are living in chronic hunger. And it's to encourage action to bring this to an end. So it's a hunger is defined as a condition in which an individual lacks the physical or financial capability to meet their um, nutritional needs. It, according to the Hunger Project, hunger kills more than AIDS, malaria, and tuberculosis combined. And it's primarily prevalent in Africa and South America. So there are, um, we'll provide links to this website, but it looks like, you know, hunger has been a problem for the planet since, since really um, the beginning of time. Um, so there are some ways they offer you some ideas on how you can observe. And one of them is to volunteer at your local food bank. I actually did this recently. I volunteered here in Cincinnati at St. Leo the Great their um, their local food pantry and that was a very rewarding experience if you have an opportunity and if you're able I highly recommend doing something like that donate to a charity if you're able or raise awareness so there you go happy uh, world hunger day and let's go feed some people and speaking of that we had lots of people here in the city of Cincinnati participating in the annual Canstruction citywide um, event. So, Canstruction is a, an organization who they they host these annual competitions. They're citywide competitions where design industry industry professionals um, they compete with each other by building these structures made completely out of canned goods and they create these beautiful works of art they call them can art and they're for this they're on display for the public um, ultimately all of the canned goods that are used to create these amazing pieces of art are donated to local food banks so here in cincinnati it was the free store food bank they're our largest food bank in the city and um 13 design companies participated each company designed a beautiful piece of art. They're still on display, but not for long. 
Um, I will put a link in our um, notes for this week so you can see the map. Um, so just check out the description. But we had, and we want to celebrate our winners of the competition here in Cincinnati for structural integrity, the MSA design team, they won. Um, they have this cool little cartoon guy that if I had little kids, I would know who he is. And Bluey, I think his name's Bluey. Um, best meal, that was MA design um, by the Huseman Group. So they have their... <laughs> Their structure is awesome. It's like the flying pig and the finish line. Uh, it says 513 there and swine. So that's a, that's a shout out to our um, flying pig marathon here that we host in the city every year. Best use of labels was Champlin Architecture. <laughs> Theirs is the iconic scene from Jurassic Park where the dinosaur is getting ready to chomp at the Jeep um, from the original Jurassic Park. It's really cool. And then the best original design went to SHP and their local architecture group. Um, my boyfriend happens to work there. They got best original design. They had, they constructed a giant bottle of hot sauce, a, it looks like a bowl of crackers and a giant cheese coney out of canned goods. Um, so that was very very um, exciting for them. Congratulations to SHP. SHP not only won the best original design, but they also were the winner of the most cans in a structure with 6,300 cans of food donated. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who participated in that. And they're pretty awesome. I'll put a link up so you guys can see them. Next, I just wanted to give a shout out to Martha Stewart, 81 years old and killing it. She's, in case you uh, don't know who Martha Stewart is, she's a lifestyle guru and she's Snoop Dogg's BFF AEAE. She graced the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition this year at 81 years old. She, I, I didn't know this, but she did actually work as a model in her teens. Uh, she worked with like Chanel and Unilever. I can see that she's a beautiful woman and she is just as beautiful today as she was the first time I um, was ever introduced to her as a little girl. So congratulations, Martha, killing it. Women everywhere love you and are thankful for you. <laughs> so next I stumbled upon a story from the New York Times. This is a story about um, a group of companies who will help manage moves for for seniors so there's a whole story in here about the uh, nigran family the parents ray and beth were 87 and 85 and they have lived in their home for more than 20 years and i know that i experienced this myself with my mom um but their failing health it, beth has multiple sclerosis ray's suffering with heart failure and they've been living in this home for such a long time. And some people maybe even live in their homes more than 20 years before they before it's time for them to downsize. And it just feels overwhelming for the family. And especially if you're like, when we, my grandfather, when he moved into a retirement home, it was really hard for him to, to make decisions about things that he wanted to keep and didn't want to keep. So, you know, we ended up having to sort of do that for him. But... There are companies, about 
1,100 of them here in the United States that belong to an organization called the National Association of Senior and Specialty Move Managers. They, um, they offer training and certification to different companies. They do, and they require those companies to carry liability insurance and to ad adhere to a specific code of ethics. But these companies will come in and help you help you move your parents or your loved ones into their retirement home. Um, move managers provide services that include sorting and organizing belongings, working with the moving company and using a floor plan to determine what can fit in the new space. Um, they prepare the home, everything from like spices in the cabinets to towels on racks. They even sell, donate or dispose of anything that's sort of left behind. So Mary Kay Busey is um, the association's co-executive director, and she says it's not just packing and unpacking, but it's working with the clients and family for weeks or months going through a lifetime of possessions. She says you need to be a good listener. And relocating older adults involves some particular things that you don't think about when as younger movers, like they're generally moving into smaller spaces. They're not up there, you know, they're not growing families anymore. These, they're empty nesters and they've had so much time to accumulate stuff, but now they don't need all of this stuff. And, um, you know, a move manager, they say has to be a social worker in part. Diane Bjorkman, she works for a company serving the um, Twin Cities. It's Gentle Transitions. It's said to be the country's oldest and um, largest senior move management company. But she says we're dealing with people with cognitive issues. Family dynamics come into play. Um, and that's, I can totally understand that. She also says it's not you telling your mom, don't take that torn recliner. It's someone else saying maybe another chair would work better. So, you know, sort of, they sort of help you frame that conversation, navigate those new waters. So if that's something that you are in the market for, we'll hit, or if you just want to read the story, it's a really good story. We'll put a link in our show description. Although it's a New York Times article, so I don't know how free those are. I do. I am a subscriber. Um, not a, they are not a sponsor. <laughs> uh, my next article comes from the New York Times as well. And this is a story about a man named Gert John Oscom. Oscam, Oscom. My Midwest just wants to come out screaming on that name. Uh, he was living in China in 2011, and he was involved in a motorcycle accident that left him paralyzed from the hips down. And for 12 years, he just tried to, you know, get some semblance of normalcy back in his life. Um, and now he finally can, thanks to a group of scientists. He has a device that is implanted in his brain. And it sort of acts as a bridge from his brain to a spinal cord. Um, he has to carry like this whole device. Um, not only is it like sort of attached to his brain, as you can see he wears like um, a headpiece, which is attached to like batteries and all this other computer stuff on a like sort of a backpack that he wears. Um, but the amazing thing is he has from the very first treatment session, he was able to twist his hips. So from, you know, being completely paralyzed, being able to twist your hips, that was pretty amazing for him, but it just continued to get better. Um, after about a year of having the device, he was able to uh, 
walk up a small incline. He was able to stand. Um, he's able to stand at a bar now and have a beer, he says. But if you think that's amazing, it gets even better because this man can walk around his home very limited by himself without the device even being on. Like he has to use a crutch, but this man is walking again, something that they never thought he'd be able to do. This is an amazing story, and there are so many technical details. I didn't want to get them all wrong, but again, I will put a link into the show description. Um, I'm selling myself, myself short. I would not have gotten it wrong, um, but there, there is a lot of technical detail that I think you, you might find interesting, so check out the article if you have time. But what an amazing discovery. I'm really excited for, for this man and the scientists who are helping him walk again. And, you, you know, this is probably just the beginning of that sort of um, technology. So I'm really excited to see where that goes. Next, we have a story out of the UK, um, out of Wales. A young lady by the name of Lucy Humphrey She's been living with lupus for about a decade now. Um, lupus is a, it's a disease that um, has, it's caused some inflammation in her heart, lungs, kidney, liver. She's been on dialysis for quite some time, um, but her kidneys have completely failed. And her doctors told her that dialysis is really only an option for about five years. Um, she needs to find a transplant, a, a kidney transplant. So Lucy and her partner, Sanid, Sanid Owen, and their pups, their pups' names are Jake and Indy, they um, had some retirement dreams of traveling in a camper van and, you know, sort of seeing the, the, the country. And that changed after Lucy's diagnosis, unfortunately. They, she just wasn't um, healthy enough for that travel. So they decided that they were just going to spend a day at um, in Barrie. They were going to go to a beach. They were going to set up and have a picnic, you know, so they, they get there, they let the dogs out, they start setting up their food, but Indy just keeps wandering off and she keeps walking over to this woman who's just hanging out on the beach crocheting. And, you know, this is kind of unlike Indy. Lucy and Sunid, they're like, dude, Indy, get over here. What are you doing? And they finally go over and they start talking to this woman. They're like, I'm so sorry that this dog won't leave you alone. We don't know what's in, what she's gotten in, you know, what's gotten into her. And uh, I don't know. They just started chit-chatting with her. This chick who was crocheting on the beach by herself was having kind of a blah day. So they're like, come, you know, come join us for dinner. And she's like, okay. So she brought over some, uh, some drinks. I assume that that means alcohol, but of course, Lucy, who is on dialysis, she's like, no, I'm, you know, I'm limited. I can't do that because I need a kidney transplant. And Katie was like, you know, funny thing. I just signed up for the national kidney donor registry. <laughs> so she, all right, so this is what Lucy said. She had all the tests, and it turned out she was a perfect match. 
A surgeon told us it's a 1 in 22 million chance to find the perfect match. And that's what I needed as I've got lupus. So despite um, some complications in the initial weeks afterwards, Lucy said that the transplant, which took place on October 3rd, 2022 at uh, University Hospital in Wales, or uni sorry, University Hospital of Wales in Cardiff, it was a success and such a serendipitous thing to have her dog just pick this person out of the universe. That's pretty amazing. Um, Sunid, Lucy's partner, had this to say. We ended up going to Barry by total chance, meeting Katie by total chance, and Lucy's ended up with a kidney. We want to show there is always hope for people. Never give in because you never know. We weren't even going to the beach that day. There's a lot of good people out there. So pretty amazing story. Makes me feel a little emotional. But when I read this story, it reminded me of a Facebook story I had recently seen um, from a girl that I went to high school with. Her name is Katie Curl Mole. She, her, I think it was her dad was looking for a kidney. Um, yeah, it was her dad looking for a kidney. Um, she wasn't a match to donate to him, but she was a match to donate to someone else. So she donated a kidney and um, this was her six year anniversary this week. So thank you, Katie. And you guys can read her story. It's pretty as well. I will put a link um, to her post on Facebook, which is public so you can see it. But she encourages anybody who is able to um, sign up and to donate a kidney or um, yeah, and just maybe you would get a chance to save someone's life. All right, so we're going to lighten the mood a little bit after that, that very uplifting story. Um, <laughs> Mary Strand received a diamond ring for her 33rd anniversary gift from her husband, David, or Dave. And one day she was cleaning her bathroom and this ring, I don't know if it slipped off of her finger there or, you know, she had it sitting somewhere and it fell. But anyway, it ended up in the toilet as it was flushing. And this poor woman is like trying so hard to rescue this ring before it goes down the drain and no luck. It was gone. She had literally flushed her diamond ring down the toilet. So 13 years go by and employees at the Rogers, Minnesota um, water treatment plant, specifically John Tierney, who is a mechanical maintenance manager, um, spotted a sparkle of light in the debris at the plant. Um, they sort of sifted through and they pulled out this ring. Um, it was a very, it was a pretty unique design. So they thought that they would, they might have some luck finding the owners and they did. So they, uh, they posted, they, they made a post. It said, recently we found a ring at one of our regional wastewater treatment plants. And they, um, in this tweet, they included an image of a ring in a haystack. It, they go on to say, this is a rare occurrence and we want to return the ring to its owner. Please contact us if you lost a wedding ring down the drain. Well, two local jewelers jumped in to help and they 
offered some photos of rings that they had sold and that led them to Mary Strand, the owner. And this was just in time for her 46th anniversary. So she said she's going to have the um, ring reset and um, she's pretty excited to have it back. So good job, everyone involved at the treatment plant. And um, I'm so excited for this woman to get such a treasure back in her life. But of course, this made me think there have got to be jokes about garbage, right? <laughs> All right, here's a good one. What do you call a conversation between two trash cans? It actually should say between two garbage cans because it's trash talk. <laughs> oh, let's see. How rich are garbage men? Filthy. <laughs> Two goats are eating garbage. The first one finds a roll of film and eats it. When he's done, the second one asks, how did you like the movie? The first one responds, it was okay, but I like the book better. <laughs> if you want these and more silly, silly jokes, please check the link in the description <laughs> for this week's garbage jokes. But I also, that, that story about the diamond ring got me wondering, um, what do we lose the most and where do we lose it? So I have some trivia for you guys. What are amongst the top five items that we lose? Now, this is a, an article according to, um, this is a lifestyle article on the chipolo.net website. Um, the top five items that we tend to lose are our car or house keys, our wallet, our phone, remote, and glasses, which I don't understand because I need my glasses to see. The number one thing that we lose in the U.S. are remotes. And the number one item that we lose in the U.K. are keys. Do you know what the average search time is for a lost item? It's five minutes and 20 seconds. And the things that we spend more than 15 minutes looking for, here's a list of five things. These are things that we spend a long time looking for. Keys and wallet, umbrella, I can see that, passport and ID. I just, yeah. It would be so frustrating to have to look for your ID all the time. 69% of Americans have reported finding one lost item while searching for another one. <laughs> Makes sense to me. There is a particular day of the week that is the top day, the number one day to lose your phone. Can you guess what that is, friends? Well, that would be Sunday. That's right. <laughs> Uber has a lost and found report and the top 10 items that people most frequently leave behind in Ubers are number one, you will not be surprised, but number one is your phone. Number two is a camera. Number three, wallet, then keys, purse or a backpack, clothing. I could see that like dropping a hoodie or something in the, in the, uh, in the Uber glasses. Again, I just don't understand the glasses. I guess some people just need them to read. Um, I'm thinking too 
I'm thinking too close-minded on this one, friends. Headphones, a vape or e-cigarette, and then the 10th most frequently left behind in an Uber item is your ID or license. Um, I'm surprised Umbrella's not on here. That happened to me once. <laughs> um, also, as an aside, U.S. Uber riders are most forgetful on Saturday and Sunday between 11 p.m. and 1 a.m. Hmm. Shocker. I wonder why. All right, friends, fellow explorers, thank you so much. That's all I have for you today. Please enjoy your day, enjoy your week, and we'll catch you here next week for another episode of the Positivity Pop-Up. I'm Siren Murr. Have a good week. Until next time, dive in, stay curious, and be happy.